Gordon, and I'm here today with Esperanza Cintron, and we're talking about her story collection, Shades, but specifically, we're going to talk about the first story, The Beard. Welcome, Esperanza. Well, th hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm really excited to talk about this story, um, but I guess... Uh, well, the first question I want to start with is the overall theme of the collection. Um, it's a, the stories are interwoven, mm -hmm. um, and I'd love to hear more about that. Thematically, you know, I I don't know if there is a theme per se. Um, I I like to record history, okay. And for me, um, of course, it takes place in the 60s primarily. It's capturing a community at that time, a community that pretty much no longer exists. I, I, I was more interested in capturing people and, and, and personalities, but also because this is primarily, I guess, an impoverished community initially. I mean, um, it's showing that even though there's a struggle you try to find some joy in your life, you know, because uh, it's just important. And I, I think that was, for me, it was just showing, trying to humanize a, a community and capture it historically. Is that making sense? Totally, totally. And is this um, based on a community that you grew up in? Yes, very much so. Uh, because I grew up in Detroit um, and I grew up with uh, seven of my aunts. And because my, my, my mother's uh, parents passed and my mother took in seven of, of her sisters. So it was a boisterous family. And a lot of these stories are stories that they told me or people in the community told me. Um, and of course I embellished them because uh, I'm a writer, but uh, a lot of it is, is, is based in truth. And, you know, you go from there in order to, I guess, make it more interesting to hold your, your readers, to enhance the message if there is a message or whatever. But I have to say this. I sent a book to my uncle who lives in San Diego. And he's my favorite uncle. He's crazy and, and very out gay and so forth. And he, he read The Beard. And he said, you know, Epi, this is pornography. Oh my God! Really? Not to yeah, not in today's world. I mean, I didn't even blink twice. <laughs> yeah. This guy is out. Do you know what I'm saying? He is my craziest uncle, and I'm just like this. Really, he was expecting me to write. I guess like Dorothy West. I don't know if you're familiar with Dorothy West. She's an African American. Uh, writer that writes about rich black people in Martha's Vineyards and so forth, hoity-toity kind of thing, which is great, but that is not my voice. And he knows that's not my voice, but he was like expecting that, I guess, because his perception of a writer is, you know, that kind of a thing. And I'm like, you know what, boy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> That is hilarious. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what about, let's talk about shades. So you, the decisions to, to name it shades, and then you have the epigraph in the beginning where you have the definitions. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that. 
most of my books do that. I mean, um, even my books of poetry, I'll have a word that will like be the stimulus and then I'll examine all the, the definitions and interpretations, the connotations and denotations of a given word. I just finished a book of poetry called Boulders and it did, I did the same kind of thing. But with shades, especially in the African-American community, there are so many different uh, perspectives and, and, and definitions of the word. Because a shade is a haunt, a hank, a haunt, a ghost. Uh, you have shades of color, you know, the whole concept of colorism in, in the African-American community. Uh, the whole thing about wearing shades and being cool, you know, kind of thing. There's just all kinds of dimensions of the concept of shades. And that is not as overt in the book, but it's there. The, the concept of, of this haunting thing that continues. Um, and the very last story, um, it's, it's uh, shades as it relates to economic situations, the differences and so forth, because the book is evol evolutionary with regard to economic situations because the last character uh, is the daughter of Diane and she goes through, but she uh, reaches a higher economic situation. And so it's, it's, it's to show that gradual change. Yeah, it's like a subtle delineation kind of yes, yes. between all these different various strata. Color, because it starts with the color thing because you've got Belle who is very dark. And you've got, um, can you remember her name? Mar Margaret, Margaret, I know. <laughs> we talked about that earlier, forgetting the, <laughs> right. Margaret, the character's name. Light skin. And there are perceptions yeah. about, you know, dark and light, you know, from externally how white people will see it, but also internally how black people perceive color changes because it's stereoty stereotypically that lighter people receive more uh, advantages and are raised soft, okay? Which is a little true of Margaret because Margaret is kind of naive. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's just sort of floating through life. Whereas mm -hmm. Belle is tougher because she's had more obstacles to deal with. And her, her perceptions of life are, you know, I'm going to use before I get used kind of thing. Whereas Margaret is like, chill, have a good time. I want to, I want to, boyfriend I want you know I want to take care of my daughters you know that kind of thing their perceptions in life are different because they're perceived differently is mm -hmm. that yeah. yeah no that totally makes sense and you described so Margaret's described at one point as um what she called her like that yellow uh that silly yellow bitch <laughs> and I kind of thought I knew what you know I, I kind of vaguely I know basically I think what yellow means but I'd love to know what it means in that context, in the 1960s. Uh, yellow is light-skinned. Light-skinned, light okay, that's what I yeah. thought. But... It's light-skinned, there are variations of yellow, but it's light-skinned. You know, um, I mean, you know history, you know about miscegenation, and so, so black people come in all colors because of, you know, the whole rape and pillage kind of thing. I mean, it, you know, you know history, it's yep. like, there's no no African American um, born here that doesn't have other European elements in their bodies. Is that mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Oh, totally, totally, yeah. 
Um, okay, well, so into the story we go. <laughs> All right, so it starts out, it's so interesting that it starts out, Belle comes downstairs and asks me if I wanna go to the bar with her. I tell her I don't feel like it, that I'd rather stay home and watch Twilight Zone. And I love, and I love that because it feels like Twilight Zone is doing a lot of work there. It seems like, because they enter into sort of the Twilight Zone of the bar too. I mean, it's not what you expect is gonna happen in the bar. It is Twilight Zone-ish. Well, you know, yeah, uh, a lot of things about Twilight Zone. Um, because, um, I don't know, Rod Serling was the writer-producer. Rod Serling was thought to be a, a, a handsome guy, you know, the dark hair, very Mediterranean-looking in, in, his, in his appearance. He was also an activist, uh, both anti-war as well as uh, with regard to uh, uh, racial desegregation and so forth. He wrote uh, pieces and so forth, even for Twilight Zone, that um, that dealt with uh, you know dealing with people lynchings and so forth like that. So that also the fact that Twilight Zone was was one of the first sci-fi kinds of horror kind of shows that that was on that was on television, very popular, and a lot of people watched it. So that there's that whole thing of 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 bringing in other kinds of elements change you know because this even though it takes place in the 60s it's in the midst of change everything is changing because this is like uh on the cusp of like the feminist movement um change in, in literary perceptions change in, in modes of medium in terms of um you know uh, television and radio and that kind of thing changing modes of music I know that it, it's kind of crazy. These are not things that that we as, I don't know, as writers think about, like, oh, I'm going to put this change in there. These are, uh, they're sort of natural in the sense when you're creating that environment, when you're trying to recreate that environment, you're trying to capture the elements and give your reader a sense of the time period. I really like to write history. I'm, I'm working on a novel right now that I'm editing for the hundredth time. And it takes place in 1870, which has really wow. been, uh, well, 1870, it's right after the Civil War. Uh, you've got um, amendments in terms of the 15th Amendment and so forth going on. You've got the Indian Wars. It's like a lot of stuff happening. And um, it's, it's just, I like these periods in history um, that... That under yeah. like underweave the story or underlay yeah, the story. Yeah, exactly. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's like because my daughter she writes too, and she's always talking about world building. And I think that's great when you create new worlds or whatever. But just trying to create an existing world or a world that existed to me is a challenge in and of itself because you're you're trying to allow your reader a vicarious experience, which involves all their senses, and so you have to consider all these elements. But to make sure that they can see and smell and hear and you know mm -hmm. and feel that it's like I don't know I, I don't know if you read uh, one of the stories in there is called Please Love Me. Mm -hmm. It's about a girl that's being beaten, and that was one of the hardest things because for some reason the first time I wrote it there was a lot more repetition because for me it was like that 
the striking elements were resonance that and the repetition. So I had to think of different ways to represent the abuse and and the I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> well, no, it's interesting. Um yeah, I, I think also like they always say the more heightened or the more tense the situation, the cooler you should play it, you know, like allow the, yeah, the reader to feel and it's so hard to do that because exactly. when you're writing it, you get so worked up. You know, it just exactly. the impulse is to overwrite, I think. Right, right. Yeah, because yeah. it's an emotional experience for you. For me, the writer, it's an emotional experience. And it's kind of hard to divorce yourself. Because also, see, I write, I write sensual fiction under another name. Oh, I didn't know so, that. Nice. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's and, awesome. So I do have to sometimes pull those reins because different writing requires or different audiences and different mediums, if you will, because writing, yeah, it's different. It know? is different. Yeah, like I write uh, poetry and fiction. And for a long time, my fiction came out like much more reportorial, you know, and then my, oh. my, my poetry was very um, imagistic. And then I, it took a long time to figure out how to, well, you can have imagery in your fiction too. And that would actually be very helpful. You know, it's strange yeah. how different parts of the brain take over, but I want to get back to the story. No, how did you just, oh, go ahead. I was just no. going to respond to what you said about, uh, having a like reportage in your, your fiction. For me, it was the opposite. I had to like pull back and because I was like spilling over with all of the, these images. So yes. I understand it's like, cause you got to find the happy medium. You know Exactly. You yeah. The thing that best reflects whatever it is you're trying to convey. Yeah. I was just listening to Rebecca Mackay. She, you know, who wrote the great believers. Do you know her? Um, no. She, well, she's a good writer and she was saying that um, you have to think about the ear of the story, meaning who are you telling the story to and how much do they know about your world? And so I was thinking about that in terms of the beard because we enter right in. Uh, I mean, I like, you know, I I think you can read the back cover of the book and you kind of know where, you, where you're gonna start, but, um, but we enter right in, it's very immediate and then, um, we're just with Margaret and Belle, and then we go to the to the bar or whatever. And I'm just curious um, how that came to be the first, or why how you decided on that one as the first story. Well, because of the language, really, because I I really wanted to capture the vernacular of the community, and um, I was so far removed from it because I mean I was a kid you know, actually, uh, back then. And, but they used to, my, my aunt, as I got older, I told you I lived with my aunt, they called me encyclopedia because I would remember things and tell on them. You know, I would tell my mother. (laughs) But I tried to, I tried to capture the language that way. But as you grow older and you become more educated and so forth, you lose the vernacular. So for me, with Mark, the conversation between Margaret and Bill was pulling me back into the vernacular. I wanted to capture the, the rhythms of the speech. And so the story went from there. That's why you have Margaret and you have Bell, because, well, neither one of them can tell each other stories. You know, they have to tell you from their perspective. 
and I'm trying to, to make it come out of their mouths, if you will, you know, and it's really hard because you have to separate the two. It's, it's, I think it's kind of easier to write third person. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think know so people, too. Yeah. But yeah, because third person, you, you know, all everybody's business, you know, you can just, but then you can get into the rut of, of being uh, pedantic, you know, if you're in, in third person. So sometimes you have to, well, at least I have to revert to first person in order to just maintain character. Yeah, it's interesting because like the vernacular between the two, they, they, they're, they're both the same, they're speaking the same way, but it's the tone and it's so subtle because it's just, you know, Margaret is, uh, she's softer. Yeah. And, you know, Bell, I mean, it comes across in the speech, yeah, but I, yeah. it was, a, yeah, definitely. But it was just a very subtle difference. So how did you, so you set it in the bar, did, was it a work of imagination to come up with what that bar would look like? And I think I, when I sent you the, the questions, I was wondering if the apex on Oakland was a real place. It was a real place. I, I didn't see it until I was really grown. I mean, of course I had to be older to, I don't think it's open anymore, but it was a real bar on Oakland and I don't remember the size, the side street. But I kind of grew up on the North End. I mean, right now, the North End is pretty much decimated. I mean, there's houses here and there. And we've been gentrified, so people are coming back into the area and so forth. And a lot of the stuff that I knew or that I saw or even people told me about is no longer there. But the Apex was a real bar. And I can can see it in my uh, head now, but I didn't really go into the bar until I was probably in my late 20s and that was more um because I was curious because my aunts talked about it and I wanted to know what this place was and of course when I went it was a lot shadier looking (laughs) you know what I mean because it was like years and years and years later because of course my mother wouldn't have let me go in there you know as a kid you know probably you know (laughs) Exactly. So, but yeah. basically you took what you saw that 20 years later and just sort of spiffed it up a little bit, still in great shape. So where, oh, I was just wondering like where, um, cause I'm, I live in the Detroit area, but I'm not from there originally. So I still don't know all the areas where actually is that now? Like, would that be considered what part of town? You know the North End? Before it's just north of Midtown. You know where Midtown, you know where the Grand yep. Boulevard is? Yep. Okay, and New so Center. If go, yeah, if you go about a mile up, then that's where the North End begins. And it okay. goes all the way to Tramit. Yep. You know, there's a there's a railroad track and so forth. It's yep. actually the first area that blacks were allowed after because you know when um in the twenties and thirties and, and so forth, blacks settled in Paradise Valley. Mm-hmm. which was closer to downtown. It was actually, I live in Lafayette Park. You know Lafayette Park? Oh yeah, sure. Yep. Lafayette Park was Paradise Valley back in the day. Okay. And then it was, you know, the 1970s, it was, everything was torn down and rebuilt, but black started to move into the North end and it was just North of downtown. That's why it's called the North end. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. This is good to know. Yeah. Well, this is it, also good for people who aren't from Detroit who are listening maybe to know yeah, a lot of yeah. people yeah and so but I, like I said I grew up because my my grandfather uh built his house from with his own 
pans and so forth. And it was on a street called Greeley, which doesn't have any houses anymore. Because <laughs> it's uh-huh. in that whole area is because uh, Chrysler tore down a lot of stuff and built a huge plant over there. You know, it's just area yeah. flux. It's yeah. changed. Yeah. 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 That's a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. That, that's okay. I was just going to ask you about the characters themselves. They, um, where did you get the idea for this storyline for those characters? I'm curious. Um, because I always think of the just, 60s or like the early, it's, you know, it just seemed like a time of sexual, rep, you know, people were sexually repressed or they didn't talk about sex. And, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, I mean, I was born in 67, so I missed it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, no, no, no. Actually, I mean, maybe it's because, okay, like I said, I grew up with my seven aunts and my mother, and my mother was very outspoken. I mean, she would talk about these things, um, and she would tell you things because she wanted you to know. She didn't want any grandbabies too early. When her mother passed, I think the youngest was four and the oldest was like 16 or something. So you've got a range of women there. And and so I don't know, it wasn't a repressed thing. Uh, I mean, of course you weren't supposed to do anything. But, but that's good. Like it's different than <laughs> I grew up in a Catholic community, you know, like nobody told oh. us anything. Yeah. So. But you're saying well, in up, that in that community, every everybody could talk about it. You just couldn't do it. No, no, I can't. I'm not saying in that community. In your house. In, right, because we were, I was raised Pentecostal. I don't know if you know oh, Pentecostal. Pentecostal. I do. And Pentecostal, when my mother would send us to Saturday Bible school, like, you know, in the summertime. And, you know, we're like four, five years old. And she would send us in. The, you remember how they used to have those little play suits? Okay, like little shorts and so forth. Yes, yes. She would send us, and the 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 women of the church would go to the poor box and put make us put on sweaters to cover our limbs. We were mm. tempting people with our limbs, so uh. you know we would have to wear these in this hot church. So no, it was a repressed time. It's just in my household, my mother had to deal with these burgeoning women, you yes. know. And yes. I think that she, she felt it was necessary to be frank with them because okay. my mother was only like 26 when she took in her sisters. Oh my you know? gosh. That's wow. very young, you know? That's... So, so I think that she, that was her, the only way she could deal with it. I mean, you know, cause they're her sisters. These are not her children. Right. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, okay, there are enough, there's enough going on here without adding right, to you know, it. Or whatever. So yeah. outside of our house, that's one thing. And like I said, when we went to the church, the ladies would cover us. And we're children. And we we're like four or five years old, you know. And yeah. but inside the house, mother was like, they would have these discussions about, you know, what you shave and what you don't shave. <laughs> oh my God, that's good. I, I wish someone had told me that. No, but I remember that. I was just a child sitting over there I'm supposed to be coloring or whatever and I'm listening to all of this you know I'm not supposed to be hearing all this right so, right <laughs> they call me encyclopedia I used to like you know pretend I'm coloring and I'm hearing all this juicy stuff you know? so did you did you hear a story that was similar 
to the story yeah. of Margaret. You did. Okay. So tell me about yeah, that. As a matter of fact, Belle is based on a friend of my mother's who, um, she came from, I think it was Alabama and she had a lot of children and a husband who had difficulty finding work. And she, she was, she was very dark skinned, very beautiful woman, but she didn't know she was beautiful because she was dark skinned and this was the sixties. You know what I'm saying? And she had these kids and this husband and she did what she had to do in order to feed her family. I know you're, the husband's supposed to feed the family, but that doesn't always happen. So did he you know, know what was did. going on? Did he know or was he? I was a kid. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> this is why we write fiction because you don't. <laughs> like we just fill in the blanks. Exactly, exactly. You, you yeah. start with your premise and then you color in the, the, you know. But I remember Susie and I remember because she used to smoke a lot of cigarettes, you know, and that was like mother, mother didn't smoke or my mom, you know, she was like, you know, I mean, other than telling her sisters what they had to do, she was, I guess, repressed in a sense, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, but Susie, I really kind of liked her a lot. You know what I, mean? I was going to say that I really liked Belle a lot. That's what, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I like I her. Liked yeah. And I know she's okay. wild and crazy, but are they pell are, are they pell-mell cigarettes or is she just calling him that? Or yeah, is it Paul Mall? Okay, Paul, but she calls him pell-mell. <laughs> They're Paul Mall, but she called him pell-mell. <laughs> pell-mell. Okay. God, people smoked a lot back then, didn't yes. they? Yes. Filterly. No yeah. filter. <laughs> it was so gross. I still <laughs> right. I just still and remember coughing all the time. Nail. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm wondering about, okay, did you have to research or did you recall the outfits they wore during the period, like the music playing in the jukebox? Like, was that, did that all involve a lot of research or you just came back to you? Cause you, you said you do remember everything and they used to call you but encyclopedia. I did have to, like, re research. I had a general idea, but uh -huh. some things I did, you know, I had to go, okay, was this song at this period of time. Because you know how you have these songs in your head and you mm -hmm. have to like really see, did it come out in 1980 or was it in 1960? Right. So I had to, I had to research, but I began with a body of knowledge and I had to verify. You know, right, that sure. it was correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was, so the details are really interesting too. Like Belle is drinking a beer, beer out of the bottle, which I, guess is very unladylike and I can just imagine why um, but I think it seemed like so organic to the story that she would be doing that and um, you know I know that things come to, to writers differently like some people get character first some people get plot first some people get scene first uh, it seems like or it felt like the characters came first to you but I want to ask you that question I'm just curious for this yeah, book for me I think with all of my writing, I think the people come and then the stories revolve around the people because they sort of like tell you the story, you know, they sort of like, and then situations arise and then they react to the situation, you know? So, so yeah. did it, 
did it surprise you where this story went or had you heard a similar story about, so people will have read the story before we're talking so I can spoil it, but the part about the razor and everything, <laughs> did that surprise you? Did, or was that from a story you've heard or a little of both? Uh, no, it didn't surprise me because remember, they would tell all these stories um, and, and, and like I said, a lot of people were coming up. Uh, I know you've heard of uh, mass migration um, when a lot of black people come came from, you know, so they were still coming up in the 50s and 60s. And they would tell these stories about how a woman would take the, the straight razor and tuck it down in her boobs, you know what I mean, before she went out, you know, that was her her protection, you know. I mean, that's a little scary too. <laughs> I hope you don't kill oh, yourself. No, I mean I like I mean story. like the straight. No, I mean like the razor. <laughs> like yeah, you could get injured. It had, it had a, you know, it had a. Um, oh, a, a thing. Yeah, it, it was like it bent in hand. It was like yeah, it was like a straight razor, like this that the guys. Oh used. yes, yes, but got it. it. Had a, a, a cover a long handle and a cover right and you, you yes. get it in half right and they would tuck it in their boobs and that was their protection if they're going to go out at night you know especially like because when you think about it because i used to live in memphis uh, in tennessee for a while when i was married but uh, my husband took me to the barn which was this like uh juke joint they used to call them juke joints sure. out, way out in the boonies you know like dog way out okay? <laughs> and it's like it's like a very rustic bar you know people are dancing and drinking and i'm thinking if a woman's going to that place by herself she needs a straight razor yes yeah, she does <laughs> because we're, we're out That's there scary. This was actually in the Okay, this must have been the late 70s. Okay, but there still weren't any street lights out there. Do you oh know my gosh, saying? yeah, I, I can just except for in this place, right? So she's a gun. <laughs> that is so scary. Just thinking about that is so scary because, <laughs> like, uh, I'm glad to be an older woman now for that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think about these young women going out to I mean I mean so but that was their protection now yeah but the thing is you you had to be I don't know I think you had to be a real self-assured woman to tuck a razor and go out there <laughs> you know I mean? think so too I do too I mean now they have now uh so my daughter carries mace and it's so interesting because my sons don't carry mace you know it's still the same world it was in a way exactly no no it really is because we still have to protect ourselves as women which mm -hmm. is really you would think all this time that it would be better but honestly honestly feel people, better no yeah I, it's sad to say that some of, i have to say some people need to think about how they're raising their sons that's all i have to say because because some people are not raising their sons to respect women. That's you right. Know? That's right. Uh, I know. Well, we could go down that. Oh, I, I could, I could go on about that forever because I have so many thoughts about that. We need to do that. But anyway, 
All right, we'll talk again later. <laughs> All right. Um, so, but so she pulls it out, she pulls it out and she cuts him and she doesn't know at the end of the story because some people will only have this one story. We don't know, um, you know, what happens after that. She just has to get, she goes back to get Margaret and she's like, I've cut someone, he may be dead. And that was the part where I was like, was that totally imagined that one, that moment where she actually cut someone or had you heard about someone who had actually cut someone? People got yeah. cut. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> so it didn't come out of thin air. Like, well, you were, not, it, the thing is also, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of what's happening um, with regard to policemen and so forth. Yes, and yes, matter. yes. Uh, in the black community, you don't call the police unless you really have to kind of thing. So that's one of those things where if she got away, that she just leaves that that mess there for somebody else to clean up. You know what I mean? Because nobody's yes. going to to confront her because she's gone, right? Right. So it's like I'm leaving this situation now. Um, it's it's not like you know, oh, somebody's cutting. Let's call the police. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. No, they're not your friends. They're right. not your friends. You yes. get away from that situation, yes. right? And if, if you're if you're if you're black or or, lat, or Latin or you know because um, uh, you know my I'm uh, Puerto Rican Af I'm mm -hmm. Afro Latin, right? Mm -hmm. You just know how to deal with situations in order to extricate yourself. Mm -hmm. The more people you bring into it, the more danger you're putting yourself in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's well, that's why I liked Belle too from a feminist perspective too, because she took care of herself. You know, she took care of the situation. And I know it was it's not optimal to cut someone. But but I was so happy that he was, she, he was a jerk. <laughs> I know. If we could cut anyone, let's I would cut him too. <laughs> but he was a total jerk. Yes. Yeah, I know. He was not abiding by the bargain of the situation. <laughs> Not at all. You know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> right. You know. But so I was thinking about Margaret and Belle. So Belle's living this one life and Margaret's living a completely different life. And, and in this one story, we don't get a sense really of how much, I mean, Margaret knows she might be acting as a shade. Uh, so she, she has this sense, this sense of what Belle's doing but why is it that, so Margaret, it's not something that would cross Margaret's mind to do. And that's because she is more innocent. She doesn't have the responsibilities. She doesn't need to make money like Belle does. Well, or she's got her, lighter skin and her she. Her perspective on life is different. Yeah. You know, she is, that's why, I, one of the reasons I made her light skin, even though that is a stereotype in terms of having, being light and bright, near yeah. white kind of thing, that your yeah. life is going to be easier. Well, no, this is, this is like the saying, I made her that way because I was trying to capture per, a particular thing. That is not to say that light skin people don't do the things that Belle does. That is not to say that. It's no. just that, that Margaret is a different person. She's, right. she sees life differently she lives her life differently um 
Belle is her friend, and she knows how Belle is, but that's Belle. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. the, you know, we it's all two have different friends who are different, yeah, two different ways of, of seeing life. And you yeah. can have that in any community, even though you might live in the same building, it's, or, you know, you know each other, you're friends, but that person just perceives life differently. Yeah. And that's why the story is like that, why you got, you got Margaret's perspective and then Belle's perspective, because they're both Black women, they both have kids, they both live in this community, but their perspectives are different in terms of what's important to them, how they perceive life, what they're willing to do, mm-hmm. you yep. know, and to survive. To, Yes, yeah. exactly. So Richard, um, we haven't talked at all about Richard. I love Richard. I know. <laughs> he comes in and he's like a big bear and he almost yes. is like enveloping Margaret and she's having a great time. And then the end of the story where we don't, you know, this is all they'll see. The end of the story, he's going to supposedly be giving a ride to um so for people who haven't read the book or whatever do will we see any of richard again or yes richard is in a later story and richard is based on a real person too um yeah who was a truck driver and um and actually when i was writing richard i saw this person and just a just a all-around good guy kind of person just wants him a good woman, a good meal, and a, a, a nice bed to sleep in. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> doesn't have grandiose ideas. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, yes. He's not, he's just not, wants to... uh, yeah, he's not particularly ambitious or anything. He just wants to work his job and live his life. And right. I like Richard. He's I did guy. too. <laughs> I did too. And I was hoping, I mean, you know, at the end yeah, of the story, we back. don't know. I'm like, I hope they can end up together. <laughs> he comes back. He comes yeah. back. And of course, Margaret comes back. Yeah. Because um, really the three women, there's Diane, Belle, and Margaret. These are the three women that, and they're children, of course, you know, because um, it takes off like that. And that's the, they're the crux of it. And then we see their kids grow up and at the end the last story is diane's daughter i think uh i think her name i can't remember her name (laughs) (laughs) i and i don't have that one in front yeah oh it's called persia her her daughter is persia yeah and uh yeah so it starts with these three women in the 60s and it goes up until the 80s you know where Mm -hmm. persia ends the cycle you know but i'm working on another collection of short stories but it's just it's just too much work right now. So. <laughs> well, I know I'm supposed to concentrate just on the story, but I do want to ask you, because you write in a, de- a lot of different genres, and what are your other books, and like, how do you go back and forth between fiction and poetry? Um, you know, it's like whatever moves you at the time. With poetry, um, I don't know, it's like, I've got I, I just finished this this fourth book of poetry, uh, Boulders, which is uh is called Detroit Nature Poems, oh, and nice. that was that was instigated by um, you know uh, I couldn't get anything published in all of these Michigan journals and Michigan reviews, you know, there are all these nature poems, you know, <laughs> right. it's like black people don't write nature poems, you know, yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> but they're nature. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't write na- I don't write nature poems either. I know, and I'm always like, oh, that's so lovely. Are you a Michiganian? Yes, yes, but I don't write nature poems. We have a beautiful state here. Okay. No, yeah. I had so much fun writing that book, you know, because it was like, okay, so what? That's nature. <laughs> I'm looking at it. <laughs> but it, 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 I guess it's like anybody, you know, it's what, what is, what's on your mind at the time? What's stimulating? Um, right. The impetus kind of a thing, but um, I'm I am working on uh, a collection. It's an aside. Uh, it's it's called Yellow Girls. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> so tell me about that. That's... I'm interviewing my aunt. <laughs> okay, so this is like the nonfiction version of. Yeah, it's gonna be fiction, but I'm oh, it's to gonna get be stories from them. I'm trying to I'm trying to get some stories from them. And my aunt said to me, I said, I want to interview you. And she said to me, I don't like that title. You should call it Melanin Challenged Women. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's so cute. And you have seven seven um, aunts. You have seven aunts. All these light-skinned women, you know. Right. And... And I was just trying to get their perspective on how did being light skin mm-hmm. affect your life? Mm-hmm. Was it a positive or ne- negative experience? Um, and and I, I don't know where it's going. I've got some ideas and some notes and things, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, so, um, and instead of like following I think I might know the answer to this because I think I do a similar thing, but you're going to get all the information, but then fiction, you choose fiction instead of nonfiction. Is that because it gives you some freedom? Like I can do what I want. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like nonfiction, you got to tell the truth all the time. Who wants to do the truth? Who wants to do that? Say what you want to say. You know? Yeah, you can't bring in the ghosts. You can't bring in the, you know. Right. <laughs> I you love make the, make the ending different. You know, it's like who wants to do that? I'm not an essayist. I mean, I've written essays, but that is not fun to me. No, no, no. <laughs> you know? me neither. Like I would just rather have free reign. And also, I sometimes think that with fiction, I can get to the heart of what I want to say better than with nonfiction, like nonfiction. Exactly. Yeah. Your feelings don't come through. The responsibility is different with nonfiction. Exactly. You know, and I don't want that burden. <laughs> you know, that's a burden, you know, it is a burden. Like, yeah. It's it like, is. I'm not a journalist, you know? No, so. I remember I wrote a story and like, I got the kind of trees wrong in the story like they, I think I had someone climbing a tree it must have been like an I don't know if I had them climbing an elm tree and you can't climb an elm tree or I don't know anything about trees that <laughs> <laughs> someone came up and they were like you can't climb that kind we're, of tree we don't have nature remember <laughs> yeah and I was like I didn't know that thank god I don't write nonfiction, or those people would be coming up all the time you got that wrong okay so is there anything about the story that um I haven't touched on that you thought 
would be an interesting thing to talk about it, about this particular story. Well, how about the title, The Beard? Oh, um, yeah, I changed the title a number of times. Um, but I just put it there, I guess, because I was, I was assuming everybody would know what a beard is, because it's a pretty general term in, in our culture. So I, uh, I thought it was a, a very conventional use of the term for a, maybe a somewhat unconventional story. Well, I don't, okay, what do you mean by this? <laughs> no, I'm going to look, I mean, you mean just like, a, I don't know, what's a beard? No, a beard, a beard is like, oh, okay, I thought, okay, I thought it was, it's like, you know, like I don't know, gay, I, I hope I know when you'd say okay, it. It's like a gay I, guy who invites a girl on a date because no. wants, oh, I thought people knew this. Okay. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Oh, okay. maybe everybody oh, does with me maybe everybody okay. does with me okay in the sense that if a gay guy invites a girl out he's trying to let uh, so that people will think he's straight interesting so she's his beard no um, i didn't oh my god no i've never heard that oh, in my life <laughs> oh my god i'm so glad i asked that question i well, hate how I just assume because you know well, like, my, you know, uh, my son's gay. I, uh, my son's gay. Maybe I'll ask him if he knows that term. That's interesting. But it, it's not just because it's it's I, okay because it's it's anytime you you use that kind of a masquerade because yes. it's, it's the idea of a masquerade. The beard is it's you're covering up. You're you're hiding something. Interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. No, that's fascinating. Isn't that wild? I'm so good. No, uh, no, so, you asked that because I thought that was common general knowledge. I mean, <laughs> sadly, it may be, and it may just be. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess we probably should um, stop because we've gone on for almost an hour. <laughs> but um, everybody, yeah. Well, I hope we meet in person sometime soon and everyone should read shades thank you so much esperanza